the scripture reads this way. I'm going to read the scripture and then I'm going to share with you some thoughts. Matthew 6, 5 through 10. Amen. And when you pray, and when you pray, are you ready for the word of the Lord? And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Father, for your word. Father, we need an anointing to receive it, arrest our attention, and an anointing to declare it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If I can tell you that there's one thing that I can give you, one thing that you've been given, that God has given you, that will make you content, that will give you joy, that will make you eternally happy, that will make you feel like you have everything that you need, which you want it. Oh, I, I guess I don't have humans here. If I can tell you that there's something that God wants to give to you and that God has given to you that will give you contentment, joy, and peace that a billion dollars will never give you, would you want it? Of course we would because we're humans and we're frail and we're tempted and we struggle. And the reality is is that all of us deal with lack of lack of contentment and lack of happiness and lack of fulfillment. And we have this hunger within. There's one thing that God has given us to satisfy that, right? There's one thing that we can do that will bring us to that place where we can be content. And I believe that to be prayer. I believe that God has given us prayer so that through prayer, as we connect with God, we will have joy, peace, contentment, and everything that we need, even though circumstances don't line up. Because sometimes circumstances don't line up. Amen? Circumstances don't line up. But the people of God are promised this in Scripture. To have peace that passes understanding. And that comes through what? Praying. Praying. It's incredible to me. How this very gift, this very currency, this very reality that you and I have been given is something that we run away from. Say, praise God, we're going to have a prayer meeting tomorrow. Some of the emptiest services in churches all across America are prayer services. And the reality is, is because you and I, you and I, and I mean you and I, not they, but you and I, struggle with our prayer life. We feel inept. Sometimes we battle with feeling unworthy. Sometimes we feel like we're not connecting or saying the right words. But all of those things, I like to tell you, are just a tool of the enemy to keep you from the very life source that God has given you. Prayer is to be a life source, a means of grace towards your life that fills you with, with, with his very presence. Amen? Now, how did it become what it is? How did we let prayer get to this point where it's this discouraging deal? We can talk on and on and on about why that's, That's happened. 
But I want you to know this one thing about prayer. Prayer is this. God wanting to connect with you. God desiring to connect with you before you desire to connect with him. God looking, seeking, longing for you before you long to look after him. Prayer is about God wanting to reveal himself to you. There's one principle that's undeniable, and that's this. Nobody wants to reveal God more than God himself. Nobody does. So prayer was never meant for you and I to look at us. Man, I'm never getting anywhere with this prayer stuff. It's not really happening. Prayer is actually God's aggression to get through the principalities, the things of this world, and the darkness to get to you, to let you know I am here. God desires to connect with us. And so we started to talk about this last week, and we shared several realities about prayer according to the scripture that we just read. Number one, prayer is about communion with God. It's about a relationship with God. So all of the principles of relationship apply to God. It's not about the right words. It's about the right heart, right? You know, did I tell you that when we first got married, uh, Rebecca and I, several years ago, I saw this anniversary card that looked amazing, right? And they had 10 of them. So what I did is I bought all 10 of them and I signed the same thing. And so every year I just gave her the same anniversary card. (laughs) But for some reason, it wasn't working year after year. First year was received. The second year was, uh, she gave me this suspect look. And the third year, I got slapped. Can you believe this, Brother Mata? I got slapped. You wouldn't do that, right? Because it would make no sense for you to give your wife the same anniversary card the next year. Unless you like the couch, glory to God. And if I'm bringing up bad experiences, I'm sorry. In the same way, I don't go to God with the same words. You know? I'm in trouble. Padre Santo, que estás en los cielos, santificado sea tu nombre. I'm happy. Padre Santo, que estás en los cielos, santificado sea tu nombre. I'm blessing my food. Padre Santo, que estás en los cielos. The repetition stuff, that just doesn't work. It's not about the babbling. It's not about the words that we use. It's, not, it's about a relationship. And all the principles of relationship operate in our prayer life. Got to spend time with somebody to know what they like. Got to spend time with somebody to know what they're about. Got to spend time with somebody to know what they really rejoice over. You got to spend time with somebody because when you spend time with somebody, you become like that somebody you're spending time with. Are you with me? All of the principles of relationship apply to our prayer life. And secondly, listen, it's not about the right words. Again, it's about the right heart. I wish I had the time to read the scriptures and Joel, when Joel said to the priests and the prophets and the people of God, he said, stop rending, stop rending your garments and start rendering, rendering your, your, your hearts. In other words, stop, stop walking around with these, this appearance of brokenness and make sure that your heart is broken before God. Because the reality is, is God hates when our appearance doesn't line up with our heart. Some of the greatest judgment in the Bible occurred when our appearance didn't line up with our hearts. Ananias and Sapphira, right? Uh, the, the priest's son, right? Whenever our appearance doesn't line up with the heart, God is not pleased. The Pharisees, you hypocrite, you whitewashed tomb, you're so beautiful on the outside, but inside you have every dead thing in you. God hates when the appearance doesn't line up with the reality of the heart. So, for instance... When the tax collector who was a sinner and a thief and who had no allegiance to God said, Oh God, have mercy on me. I'm just a sinner. And he beat his chest. God said, I can work with this guy. This guy, I can work with him. Because God is pleased with a broken heart. 
So we talked about this last week. It's, it's about com- prayer. It's about communion with God. Uh, prayer is not about the right words. It's about the right heart. And we talked about our Father. Number one, our. That the faith is about the whole body of Christ, not just one person. That prayer is not just about me. It's about the whole body of Christ and being urgent for what God is doing in the people because I love people. Why? Because God taught me to love God with all my heart, soul, and strength and to love others like I love myself. And if I love others like I love myself, you know what I'm going to find myself doing? Suffering with others because I love them too much to let them suffer alone. And if I love others, you know what I'm going to do? Rejoice and celebrate with others. Because I am so excited for them. You know, it's like, praise God, I just got a new job, Brother Carlos. I just want you to know that I got a new job. Well, great. I guess everybody else gets the good stuff. (laughs) Never get good luck our way. That's not the character of the believer, man. You got that about you? Nobody wants to be around you. That's for another church in Idaho. I'm just saying. No, I celebrate with those who celebrate. Why? Because my spirit rejoices. If there's something wrong in me where somebody's telling me something they're celebrating about and immediately all I think is about myself, we need to deal with that. I rejoice with those who rejoice. I suffer with those who suffer. I fight with those who are in the middle of a battle. Why? Because I love them. Our Father, our speaks to the fact that I am not the church. Listen to me. I am not the church. We are the church. I cannot be the church by myself. And then we do- dove into our Father, Father. Sixty times in the New Testament, sixty times, excuse me, in the Gospels, in the four Gospels, Jesus referred to God only as Father. And only did he say once, call him God, when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But afterwards, he said, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. Jesus introduced God to us in this way. He says, I want you to call him Daddy. Daddy. That almost sounds so irreverent. But be aware that before, before this point, before Jesus spoke this way, nobody referred to God this way. Never in the Old Testament was God referred to Abba or Daddy, dearest Father. So we talked about these things. God's given us access. Now we can pray to God. And when we pray to God, it's not just about us, but what God's doing in the greater community and the church as disciples. Now we know that we have this right that Jesus has given us as sons and daughters to approach his throne, knowing that we are favored by God. Why do we need to call him father? Why does Jesus instruct us to call him father? Why? Because the confidence of sons and daughters come from fathers. The courage of sons and daughters come from fathers. Amen? And also because instruction is supposed to come from Father. And so it's this submissive, not out of fear, but out of, oh, I can't wait to make my daddy proud. No matter how messed up and wounded our relationships have been in the past, there is no child that can say, I didn't want my father to be pleased with me. Every son, every daughter longs for a father's approval. Isn't it so significant that Jesus, before he did anything, when he was baptized, God said, this is my son. In him, I am well pleased. Listen, if Jesus needed the approval of the fathers, fathers, listen to me. Do you think your sons and daughters need your approval? So God in prayer calls us to say our and pray father, which is so important because it acknowledges that we have the blessing. You know, as Jews, they understood that if I was the father of someone, everything that I have, everything that I am belongs to my children. So when Jesus is prayed to him as father, he said, don't you understand? God is yours. Everything that he is, 
Everything that he has, he longs to lavish upon you. God wants to show up in your life and show off. He wants to do great things. And then he says, and we'll close with this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Well, let me speak a little bit to that. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, God, you're above everything. To have an effective prayer life and the life of a disciple, we have to recognize, God, your ways are higher than our ways, and no one can fathom your ways. To recognize our God, you are in heaven, is actually saying, God, you're boundless. Time does not constrain you. Resources do not constrain you. My limitations and my weaknesses do not constrain you. Our Father who art in heaven. I know my limitations, but I know my Father is in heaven. I know the cancer I'm battling with, but my Father is in heaven. I know the problems that I'm having, but my, but I'm having, but my Father is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. I acknowledge that you're above. And I put my faith on the things, not the circumstances that surround me, but on you, God. And as I put my faith in you, I make this declaration. Let your name be declared holy. Let your name be holy in the hearts of people. You know what that means? It means this. Let people live in worshipful surrender toward you. Let people live in worshipful surrender. Consequently, if you're praying it for others, you're saying, God, let my life be a worshipful surrender to you that all of me would be totally surrendered to you see effective prayer begins with this reality number one we are the church second for the disciple it means this i am loved by the father i already have his favor i'm not praying for his favor i have it and i get to pray from his favor and his blessing third he is in heaven he's above everything i may have suggestions for god but he's his plan's probably going to be better than me Can anybody admit that today? Amen. And third, he is to be worshipped. He is to be exalted. And then your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So notice in the order of prayer here that we have today. Jesus instructs his disciple to recognize the fatherhood of God. He instructs his disciple to recognize that he is holy and there to have reverence as they approach him. And the very first thing that Jesus asked them to pray is not that they would have what they need. It's not that they would get what they want. It's not that they would come to God with their prayer list. But before they would concern themselves with their concerns, that they would concern themselves with the concerns of the Father. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven implies several things. And this is what it implies. It implies, number one, that we recognize that God is king. And if he's king, it means that he has a kingdom and his kingdom has rules. Are you with me? His kingdom has commandments. And before we pray for anything, before we ask for anything, we are saying, God, we recognize that you're God and that you're in control and we want to live according to your word. We want to live according to your will. And we want the very desire that burns in your heart to burn in ours. We recognize when we say your kingdom come, your will be done, that this is not a democracy. We didn't vote Jesus in and we can't vote him out. And no matter what the culture says or what the culture accepts, if Jesus denied it, so should we. We are asking 
When we say your kingdom come, your will be done for Jesus to return, sure. But we're asking for more than that. We're asking for Jesus to be Lord right now in this place. And with his, that his power, that his authority, and all of that would happen right now, not only in the life of others, but in our lives. We're saying, God, you know what? We're in desperate need of you. We know that you're king. God, I don't want to be this king. I don't want to be an ambassador without your power. I'm asking your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And not only am I asking for your will to be done here on earth, but I'm asking God that I would be the ambassador of your kingdom, that the very power of your Holy Spirit would be in me, that as I walk and do my life, I will be a reflection of who you are. Isn't that good? And this is what we're praying when we pray your kingdom come, your will be done. And then we're asking, and we'll close, we're asking this last thing. When we say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what we're actually saying is, God, you matter more than anything in our lives. So we give you permission to crush the idols in our lives. You see, the reality is, is that we all have kingdoms, whether we want to accept it or not. We either live by the rules of others or we live by the rules of our hearts or by whatever sin is ruling our hearts that we can't break free from. There's kingdoms in our lives. And when we come to Jesus and we get saved, it doesn't mean that automatically these kingdoms don't live in our hearts. Sometimes we battle with things we call strongholds. And sometimes there are sins that we can't break free from. And there are struggles that we have in our lives. So in prayer, Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, which enables Jesus. We're actually saying, God, we want your kingdom. Establish yourself in my heart. If there's anything in my heart that's that pleasing to you, anything that's sitting in your throne, get rid of it. And when you pray to God that way, I want you to know something. There's going to be idols that are going to be exposed. And when we pray this way, what we're saying is, God, crush the idols in my life. Now, let me tell you what an idol is. An idol is just not a wood-carved image or some elephant that's being worshipped in some tribe in India. An idol is anything or anyone that we put above God. Anything or anyone. It could be a relationship. It can be an iPhone. Are you with me? It could be social media. It could be a job. And so when we turn to God, we say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. We're actually acknowledging, man, I have this, I have this issue that if you're not in control, I cannot control myself to make the right decisions and to follow hard after you. If you're not controlling me, something else is controlling me. And that is where the hunger and the yearning comes from. God has given us hunger and yearning to desire after God. The question is, what kingdom are we submitting to? Some would say, well, what are the idols in my life, Pastor? That's for the Holy Spirit to show you. But I dare, I challenge you. If you want to live a life of victory, turn to God and say, your kingdom come, your will be done. Before you ask, give us this day our daily bread. Would you stand with me? Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise you, Jesus. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. All that to say this, if I can put it in simplest words, I don't know. But let me just share this with you. When you go to pray, don't worry about how many words you'll say 
The most effective prayers in the Bible are short prayers. Look at when Elijah cried out for fire to come down from heaven. One sentence. That's incredible, isn't it? So it's not about the words you say. It's about the right heart. And if you have given your life to Christ and repented of your sins, something you've got to know about your prayer life is this. God wants you to approach him as if he were your dad, your father, because through Jesus Christ, you've become sons and daughters. And when you go before him, don't be overwhelmed like there's nothing that can fix your situation because God is above everything. He's above every circumstance. So just spend your time thanking him and worshiping for who he is. And after you do that, instead of bringing your concern to God, take your time saying, God, before I have my will, let your will be done. Let your will be done. Let your kingdom come. Now, I know that it's been a busy morning this Sunday, but today as I was preparing and, and praying to God about what, what, what to do with this message that I shared with you, I want to take the time to invite those who don't know Jesus as their Savior. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. I've not given my life to Christ. I've not accepted Him as my personal Savior this morning. And I want to be a part of those who can call God their Father. I want you to know that Jesus paid the price, a price that you can never pay by your works so that you can be a part of the great family of God. I want you to know that today, if you repent of your sins, no matter where you're at or where you've done, but if you repent of your sins, and, and that means turn away from them, acknowledge that you're a sinner, and turn your life to God, that the Word of God says that He will never turn away anyone who does that. If you're here today and you recognize, yep, I'm, I'm in need of a Savior. I'm in need of a Savior. I want to give my life to Christ today. Jesus will not reject you. So right now, even as we're praying, if that's you, would you raise your hand right where you're at? Amen. Anyone here? Or am I in the house of believers? Anyone here who says, today I want to give my life to Christ? Amen. Well, maybe you're here today and you're saying, you're saying, Pastor, I realize that I've made light of God. I've forgotten that his ways are higher than my ways, and I've been complaining about how hard situations are. But I'm reminded today that God's ways are higher than my ways. And today, I just want to come before God and acknowledge that. God, your ways are higher than my ways. I'm going to trust you. If that's you, would you come to the altar right now? Right now, you know, you're going through a tough circumstance. It's out of your control. But you're saying, you know what, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God that His ways are higher than my ways. And I want to acknowledge it today, this morning. That's you. Would you come to the altar? Would you come to the altar? Amen. Amen. This last thing. You're hearing you're saying, well, Pastor, when I pray, typically my prayer time is filled up with the things I want. I never considered that God has desires and things that he wants me to long after. I never considered to go to prayer to ask God, God, what do you want from me? What, what is your purpose for my life? Or maybe you're hearing you say, I've never considered that there are things that God wants to say to me in prayer. But today I want to commit my life to praying, God, let your will be done. Your will be done more than my will. Let your kingdom come and rule in my heart. If that's you today, saying you want to make a commitment to that this morning. That's the call of discipleship. That's what being a follower of Jesus is about. If that's you and you haven't done that, would you come up to the altar right now? Would you come up to the altar right now? Let's pray. There is no 
There is no journey better than the journey of the person who says, Yes, God. What is it that you desire? I want to hear your voice. I want my heart to be open to yours. That's you today, and you're saying, God, I want my life. I want my life to be open to hear your voice. If that's you, would you, would you come up? You're saying, I want, I want your desires to be what I long for. Would you come up? Thank you, Father. Thank you for the word today. Lord, I'm just asking that through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, that God, our lives would line up with all that you have for us. And we would realize that prayer is not a burden. It's the greatest blessing, one of the greatest blessings of the church. Prayer is connecting with you. Reveal that to us, Lord God, and do a mighty work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a great Sunday. We'll be here at the altar if the altar workers can help me pray. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your life. Thank you for your presence.